We are live, episode 97. We almost to the century mark. Can't believe it. Business and Buckets fam, how we doing? A beautiful Thursday afternoon here, getting ready to see the weekend in Seahawks Stadium. So I'm fired up for that and fired up to recap a savage UFC 278 card. Talk the world of sports. What's happening? A little bit of NFL offseason, MLB. You already know the deal. But before we talk sports, let's talk fueled supplements. Um, I know for me, sleeping is key, right? That's something that I always have top of mind. You sleep good. You have the energy. You perform well. You recover well. It really makes a huge difference. I wasn't very high on it until I was about 28 years old. Something at 28 just clicked, man. I mean... Uh, I used to sleep four or five hours, thought I was invincible. I hit 28 and the world fucking changed. Now I need a solid eight hours and it is really a huge part of a routine that I have to stick to if I want to perform the way I know I can and should to get the results I want. So if you guys do have trouble sleeping, you wake up groggy, you don't feel rested, if you toss and turn at night, it's time to check out Knocked Out. It's back, the market's leading advanced sleep and recovery formula. Knocked Out is now in stock with the facelift with two new flavors and an improved ingredient profile. You can experience an unreal night's rest with this all-in-one sleep formula, superior recovery, muscle repair, pain relief, and anti-inflammation. You can fall asleep faster, sleep deeper, and uh, wake up feeling more refreshed. It regulates depressive and sedative actions critical for relaxation, Decreases stress and anxiety, manages cortisol and adrenaline reset, plus increases growth hormone production. You get two delicious flavors to suit your guys' taste buds. Watch your sleep improve, mood improve, productivity improve, and life, life improve with Knocked Out. Save some cash when you use our promotion code BUCKETS for 15% off. FueledSupplements.com. Once again, promotion code BUCKETS, B-U-C-K-E-T-S. Now, the reason I love Fueled Supplements, right, friends, small, family-owned business, I talk about all the time, support small business. It's the only way to keep it alive. If you're going to GNC ordering supplements on Amazon, stop what you're doing. Just type in FueledSupplements.com. You'll thank me later. But let's talk what's gone on in the world of MMA. I was going to do this podcast a couple days ago, ended up not doing that. And due to that, there's been a lot of fights booked, a lot of things happening in MMA. So we're just going to go and dive down the list. Great fight here. Two guys that got their ass kicked in their last fights. They're going to be in for revenge. We have Julian Marquez taking on Darren Wynn. That will be a blast. Carla Esparza versus Zong Weilei is official for UFC 281. Add that to the 281 card, two title fights, lots of action to be had. Uh, fun one here, Brad Riddell versus Renato Moicano in UFC 281 as well. Two guys that uh, you know have been prospects, been up and down a little bit. Uh, huge fight for these guys where they're at in their careers, especially Brad Riddell, so I'm excited for this one. For the big boys, we get Jarzinho Rosenstrike taking on Chris Dacus, another big-time fight for where these fighters are in their careers. A couple fights, a little bit of rumor. I mean, Stephen Thompson, Jorge Masvidal, there's always drama and shit with booking their fights. But supposedly, Jorge Masvidal and Gilbert Burns is verbally agreed upon. 
Masvidal tweeted some stuff. It's not finalized. We'll see if it happens. But that would be one hell of a fight. And then um, the UFC was wanting Stephen Thompson uh, versus also, first they tried for Kevin Holland. Then they had booked him versus Shavat Rukmanov. Rukmanov uh, but he said he will not agree to that. He's ranked number six. It's like, bro, you've, you've suffered a few losses. I know you're not in your prime. You don't want to fight grapplers. But if you're going to hold the sixth spot in the rankings, you got to book a fight. So um, hopefully that gets figured out. Tony Ferguson um, versus Li Jingliang, UFC 279. That's a great fight added to a pay-per-view that's not that far out. Um, El Kikui versus Li Jingliang. That's going to be a fucking brawl. Really excited for this one. Mark DeCasey versus Michael Johnson. We'll see if DeCasey gets a little wild and, and, and is that you know unorthodox striker again. We have Dan Hooker versus Claudio Puez. Carlos Olberg versus Nikolai Negamaranu. Huge fight in the bantamweight division. Two young studs. Jack Shore, Kyler Phillips, the Matrix. Zagas Zumagalov versus uh, Charles Johnson. Um, the fact that this guy is still in the UFC blows my mind. Clay Guida versus Scott Holtzman. Edmund Shabazian versus Dolce Lungambula, UFC 282. Miranda Maverick was pulled off this card for UFC 278, but she got rebooked versus Shauna Young for November 5th. She had weight cutting issues. The UFC aiming to book Conor McGregor versus Justin Gaethje. If that doesn't happen, they're thinking about getting Justin Gaethje in uh, for a fight a little bit quicker. But golly, Conor McGregor, Justin Gaethje, there will be blood and someone will be getting knocked the fuck out. So I would love to see that fight. Uh, Rafael Asuncao after some time off taking on Victor Henry. Magomed Mustafaev versus Jamie Malarkey, who looked impressive in his last fight. Daniel Rodriguez versus Kevin Holland added to 279 with the um, Tony Ferguson fight. This is going to be an awesome fight. Two guys, young in their career, done a lot of things. Andre Fialho versus Muslim Salikov. And then the fight that I said the matchmakers sh should make. Angela Hill versus Emily Ducate. Angela Hill is just kind of the gatekeeper. That's going to be a fun one to see what skill level Emily is going to be at. And, and, you know, she's really young. She's only going to get better. And then a couple guys released from the UFC. Yusuf Zalal released and Francisco Figueredo, who just lost on this card, removed from the roster. We'll talk about the Luke Rockhold fight. He officially retires after that loss. And then Marab uh, Dwalshwili told Ariel Hawani that um, Jose Aldo said that would be his last fight. Uh, we haven't seen on anything online, so I don't know if there's you know much val validity to that. It could have been in the emotional thing, you know, tough loss. Uh, didn't get to do what he wanted to do. Put out a show. The fans went crazy in Salt Lake, si Salt Lake City for Jose Aldo. Uh, so hopefully this isn't his last fight. He still has a lot of fight left in him. He's been in a lot of wars only at 35 years old, though, so you never know. Outside of the UFC, Kayla Harrison won in her PFL semifinals via round one submission. Made it look easy. Uh, Brendan Lugong, Lugna, uh, Lunane uh, beat Chris Wade versus unanimous decision. Um, Bubba Jenkins also won, so it'll be uh, Brendan 
Lunane versus Bubba Jenkins in the finals. He won via round one uh, rear naked. Bubba Jenkins did. We also had some BKFC action this weekend. Mike Perry beating Michael Venom Page via majority decision. They had to go into the sixth round, sudden death round. Uh, Mike Perry was on the MMA Hour this week. And then the huge uh, rematch in boxing. Alexander Usyk defeating Anthony Joshua in a rematch via split decision. He had called out Tyson Fury. We'll see if that ever comes to fruition. As Tyson Fury is already out of retirement wanting to get a fight booked. And then this Friday, we have 1FC on Prime Video 1. To make 1FC a little bit easier, they have signed a deal with Amazon. And that will be Friday at 5 p.m. Pacific. The huge, huge fight. We get the Mighty Mouse rematch um, versus Adrian Murano, I believe his name is. Uh, but seeing Demetrius Johnson back in the octagon, MMA fans are going to be hyped for that one. And then on Tuesday, we had another uh, episode of Dana White Contender Series. All five winners getting contracts. Um, I wasn't super over, you know, enthused by any of the performances. Uh, there was a 22-year-old woman getting a contract. A gentleman named Simon, who is the youngest fighter now on the roster after that. Uh, they had the Sugar Show uh, doing some booth work with DC um, uh, during one of the fights. He, he did great, did good job analyzing and doing the play-by-play -play a lot better than I thought he would. Um, he was kind of fun to listen to. will be interesting to see you know, if he keeps getting more at-bats there, get some other opportunities, and if that's something he wants to actually do. Uh, but all five fighters, Dana White's happy getting contracts, um, but I, I thought um, week two was still the best week thus far. But let's talk... 278. I went five and four in my picks. Uh, there was a nice win by Errol Kling and Jared Gordon. Obviously, the Manda, Miranda Maverick fight getting called off um, the day the night before uh, due to issues with weight cutting um, by the Shanimal. But we will start in the early prelims. Amir Albazi with a first round submission over Francisco Figueredo, and this fight was not relatively close whatsoever. Uh, the young Amir was basically able to do anything that he wanted in this fight. He was able to dominate with takedowns. He was able to get Francisco's neck uh, fairly quickly. And uh, I'm really interesting to see, uh, interested to see Amir Albazi in his next few fights in the flyweight division. Um, you know, he hasn't had a lot of fights, fought very good competition, uh, and has really kind of steamrolled through everybody. So now as he moves up the rankings, it'll get very interesting. Statistically, it only took Amir 23 total and 12 significant strikes with two takedowns and a submission attempt. Um, Amir is on a four-fight winning streak now and is 3-0 in the UFC. He moves up one spot in the rankings to number 10, while Francisco is now on a one-fight losing streak and is 2-2 two two in the UFC. Obviously, just got removed from the roster. So for what's next, we're not going to talk about Francisco anymore. But for Amir, I think Alex Perez would be the bout to make. That would be a banger. We'd really get to see a good test out of Amir if he took on Alex Perez. And then we had a draw. This was, uh, you know, I went five and four, so obviously didn't win any money. Uh, I picked Amir in this fight. I picked Sean Woodson here. Um, but this fight was very interesting as Sean Woodson had a draw against Luis Saldana. And the fact that this even went three rounds is pretty fucking wild. And the fact that it ended up in a draw after what you had saw in round one is even more wild. 
I mean, Luis had knocked Sean down twice in round one. And it seemed to be like very, very close to a finish. But Luis was kind of playing with his food, so to speak. He didn't put forth a lot of effort to get the finish after the knockdowns. And the next two rounds, Sean really started finding his groove. He took the rounds, you know, round three, you could debate. That was like a, a draw in that round in itself. Um, neither fighter really looked to confidently secure the win at the end of round three. When a fight is that close, you would think they would have pushed for the finish, pushed for a finish, pushed for something. Um, but Sean did look comfortable in guard when he had to be there. Luis looked to looked seemed to be improved pretty much everywhere. You know, he is a young fighter, trains out of the MMA lab. Uh, so getting a lot of good bodies there. Statistically, Sean landed 86 total strikes, 73 of them significant with that submission attempt compared to Luis's 96 total, 91 significant with a takedown and two knockdowns. But majority of those strikes, uh, knockdown and takedown were round one. Uh, so Sean, you know, put it together uh, the, the latter half after damn near getting the lights uh, taken out from him. Sean now uh, has his two fight winning streak come to an end. He is 3-1-1 one, one since his Dana White Contender Series victor over Terrence T-Rex McKinney. And Luis ends his one-fight winning streak and is 2-1-1 one, one since his Dana White Contender Series victory. So what's next for these gentlemen? How about Luis versus Jonathan Pierce? I think that would be a ton of fun. And for Sean, Derek Minner would be a good bout as well as both fighters look back to getting the win column. Yeah, you know, all that work put in ends up in a draw. Uh, no bueno. And then the fact that this was in the prelims is pretty wild, but the prelim headliner, Marcin Tibero with a majority decision over Alexander Romanov. I did pick Romanov, so, so missed this fight. And I wasn't too surprised. I mean, this fight was not surprising, even though I did pick Romanov. You know, I thought this would be a very tough test. Romanov's toughest test in the UFC. And Tibera stuck to his game plan on what works. He was able to put his weight on, it, on uh, Romanov do some dirty boxing, right? Keep him up against the cage. And he was able to do this early on. And um, I'm pretty sure it frustrated Romanov, right? Romanov has been able to kind of just steamroll through everybody with his with his wrestling. He got frustrated, probably threw out his game plan in the rounds two and three and started getting reckless because Romanov was very aggressive and was able to wrestle Tiber around one, right? Um, he was able to wrestle him, take him down, control didn't really land a lot of damage, uh, but Tibera didn't panic. He's a veteran. He's been in some wars. He's seen guys with different styles and probably thought if I could let this guy gas himself out, let's do it. And, you know, that's really what happened. Romanov started weakening and Tibera was able to uh, avoid the takedowns in round two and three. And his style wore on Alexander. At the end, he was like slapping his butt and doing weird shit. And he ended up losing, right? It was a close fight. Could have went either way. I'm not mad about the decision. You know, my parlay was already busted anyways. Uh, but statistically, Tibera landed 82 total and 47 significant strikes compared to Alexander's 95 total and 40 significant strikes. He also had two takedowns and a reversal. And although Romanov outstriked Tibera, the volume Tibera um, had in rounds two and three won him uh, the bout, in my opinion. So now Tibera starts a new winning streak. He is 6-1 in his last seven fights. He does move up one spot to number 10 in the rankings. While Romanov suffers his first loss and is 5-1 in the UFC, he does stay at number 13 in the rankings. 
And uh, it's just really interesting. Romanov obviously has some maturing to do. He's a young fighter. He could wrestle, needs to work on his striking, and needs to work how to put together a full fight, although he was undefeated and this is his first loss. Um, so what's next for these big boys? I think Tibera, I mean, he's fought damn near everyone in this division, right? A lot of the big guys, maybe not the top, top names. He never made it up that far. Uh, but I think Blagoy Ivanov, who's also ranked, that would be a great matchup. It is a lower-ranked fighter. Uh, but he's fought a lot of guys ahead of him that he's already lost to. And for Romanov, how about Sergey Spivak? I think that would be a very enticing matchup. Um, and another guy who could wrestle, uh, battle of the wrestlers, who wants it? Um, I'm sure we'll see the best Romanov we can see now that he is not undefeated. And then in the main card, another bout, not quite heavyweight, but light heavyweight, where Tyson motherfucking Pedro with a first-round TKO over Harry Hunsucker. And this barely went anywhere. I mean, there's not a lot to talk about in this fight. Pedro dominated throughout the first round. Um, you know, this was Harry's first time uh, attempting light heavyweight. Didn't have a lot of success at heavyweight. Wanted to move down. And he got outclassed. Um, Tyson only landed six total and significant strikes with that knockdown. Ended up being a body kick that, that kind of shut down Harry. And Harry had two total insignificant strikes. Tyson is now on a two-fight winning streak after four years away uh, due to injuries. So he's looking good. And Harry is on a three-fight losing streak on the UFC. We'll see if he will last on the roster. The light heavyweight division, though, if there was one you could last, that's probably the one is it's not as deep. But what's next? I mean, if OSP is going to continue to fight at light heavyweight, I think OSP versus Pedro would be awesome. A veteran who's been there, fought a lot of big names, taking on the young Stallion. And if not, how about Azamat um, Mirzakhanov, another prospect that's been running through the division. And for Harry, if he is still in the UFC, Ihor Poteria makes sense as he's in the bottom of the rankings as well. And then the power three, the big three fights, I bought the card again. I've been buying pay-per-views. I don't always do that um, because of these three fights. We had Marab Dwalishwili with a unanimous decision over Jose Aldo. And a lot of people were critical in this fight, right? A lot of people were upset about how this fight played out, but I enjoyed it. Real MMA fans, I think you'll enjoy it. You knew what you were getting when you, you put these two guys together. Aldo just spent so much energy defending the 16 takedown attempts that the machine Dwalishwili put on him. And he didn't have a lot left after that to put out his own offense, to really look for the, for the you know, end it, sorry, thank you, um, pound for pound, knockout, bam, uh, shot. And, uh, you know, this is Marab's game. He had uh, some sloppy power shots, had some combos. Um, you know, he does some wild striking, spinning shit. But a lot of those didn't land for major shots. It was all about just weighing in on uh, Aldo against the cage, um, kneeing him. Some of those knees at, at some points were pretty, you know, looked like they were affecting Aldo. Um, but I, I, I was going to put money on Aldo as the, you know, plus 100. I was going to put 100 on him. But I didn't because he struggled to make weight, and you could see by his body language this was not an easy weight cut. Obviously, he's one of the featherweight goats, if not the goat. And, um, you know, he moved down to 135 to make, have another chance at a title. Took him a little while to figure out. He got hot. And uh, this was definitely probably his hardest weight cut at 135 besides maybe his first. But at 35 years old, that shit doesn't get easier. And um, 
yeah, I mean, Rob said on the MMA Hour that he think that he that Jose said this was his last fight, but I think if there was validity to that, we would have already heard it by now. So we'll see, but I, I hope that's not Jose's last fight. But with this loss, he's not going to be fighting for any titles anytime soon, so it very well could be because he doesn't really have to prove anything. And the bantamweight division is full of fucking certified killers. But how about that takedown defense? We all know how legit Jose's takedown defense is. Um, but golly. I mean, the machine, if he wants to take you down, he takes you down. He could not take Aldo down. And the, the gas tank of Marab, the machine, is just relentless, man. I would love to see him. I mean, maybe, maybe not love because he's not the most action-packed fighter. But who can out-cardio the machine in a five-round fight? That would be very intriguing. Uh, but statistically, Jose landed 59 total and 38 significant strikes compared to Marab's 135 and 57 significant. He was 0 for 16 in takedowns, which is fucking bananas. I thought Marab would at least get a couple. Uh, but Marab is now on an eight-fight winning streak. Eight fights. That's very impressive. He moves up to number three or moves up three spots in the rankings to number three. While Jose has his three-fight winning streak come to an end and moves down three spots to number six, so they just swap in the rankings. What's next? I mean, Ariel, Ariel Hawani kind of put it in a good way. It's like a bantamweight circuit right now. You have all these fights booked up. The winners just kind of move on. I think Marab isn't going to be ready for a title shot. I think the winner of Pewter Jan, Sean O'Malley, is way ahead of him. I think that if Henry Ceuto came in, he'd have a better shot than Marab. And obviously, you know, Aljo's the champion. If Aljo beats TJ, right, you don't want to book that anyways. TJ, I think, is going to win anyways. So there's a few different fights, I believe, ahead of him. I think Cheeto should be ahead of him. So I don't think he's necessarily, you know, number three, you're ready for a title shot. So I think he should get the winner of Corey Sanhagen and Song Yedong. Uh, he's already lost to Song Yedong, so that would be intriguing. Uh, plus, uh, I think Corey would be a good matchup for him. So that would be the fights that I see Marab getting into. And for Aldo, I think he got, if he's still fighting, book him against Dominic Cruz, a veteran legacy fought, fight. They've never fought each other. That would be fucking fun. They both still got plenty left in the tank. And, uh, you know, you, that's that's a win-win for, for those fighters. I think that's a fight to make. And then in the co-main, we had Paolo Costa with a unanimous decision over Luke Rockhold. And this fight was a wild affair. Luke was abused, completely gassed, and outclassed by Borishina, the eraser. Even though the eraser couldn't erase, right? He couldn't get the finish, which really was depressing. I had uh, some finishes on this I thought I was going to get. I had some finishes on the Kamara Usman fight that I thought was going to get. Ended up striking out. Brutal day. Um, but Paolo, man, he even was able to wrestle Luke. I mean, Luke was so fucking gassed. And once he hit him right on the nose and shattered his nose, there was blood everywhere. He couldn't breathe. I mean, Paolo straight destroyed Luke in rounds one and two. I think if he would have been a little bit more aggressive when Luke was rocked, which I know he respects Luke, you know, Paolo's in a rut of his own. You don't want to put yourself in a knockout situation. But I think you could have just been a little bit more aggressive and got the finish. And then somehow Luke makes to round three. And, uh, you know, Paolo had already had his neck, went for the rear naked. And he, 
Rockhold just gave everything he had hands down, fucking all the way into the right and landed a couple of them. And, you know, Paolo's a big guy. He kind of, you know, steps back, does that shoulder shrug where you're like, oh, shit. That would have been bonkers, especially what had happened in the main event if this happened in the co-main. Oh, my fucking God. Um, but to me, the storyline was all the press. You know, we have the embeddeds for pay-per-view weekends. You know, Luke was clearly vocal in media. I don't think you could miss it if you're on social media and follow anything MMA. I thought he was just battling demons. Like, he talks about all the shit he went through and how he's a wholesome person now. And a lot of the things he said did have valid statements to it, right? Luke's 37, I'm 30. He's been, probably has more experience in most things than me. And I feel like I speak very highly and wholesomely and I get like that psychological output of the way Luke is talking. But the things that he would say, you wouldn't say with that demeanor and tone. He's like, motherfucking, you know, like fuck this, fuck that. Like he's definitely got some issues. And I think he was more worried on about that than this performance. Although he said, I, I assure you, I've been focused on recovery the past few years. I need my body healthy. I'm in a good place mentally. I just think he was so worried about what was being said and trying to get in Paolo's head that uh, it affected him. I mean, our, no matter how physically prepared you are, our men mentality can only take so much, right? Our mental game can only take so much. It's like a cloud storage. You can't upgrade it. You, you know, maybe you can through training, I guess. But uh, he just had too much to, to, to you know, sometimes uh, speak softly and carry a big stick, so to speak. But uh, once that nose got broken, bloodied, I mean, he was fucked. He couldn't breathe. Um, you know, he had his hands down. He was classless. I want him to get knocked the fuck out. I'm happy he lost. I respect the man as a fighter. Um, but it was crazy how once Paolo did have his neck, I mean, it's so bloody, you couldn't really quite get under it. Luke ends up getting on top, gets a reversal. How that happens, I don't know. You know, the blood definitely helped. But then he's just smearing blood all over Paulo's face. It's in his mouth. It's in his eyes. I'm like, oh, my God. Like, what in the actual fuck? This is some gladiator shit. And Luke said that's just a fuck you because he doesn't like Paulo. Um, so, yeah, I mean, this fight had a little bit of everything. It was, it was wild. It was the most fun lopsided affair you could ask for. And Luke did have some moments. Um, statistically, Paulo landed 106 total and 73 significant strikes. Went two for two in takedowns compared to Luke's 57 total and 51 significant strikes with a takedown in four attempts and that reversal. So Paolo is now uh, on a new winning streak after losing two in a row. He stays at number six in the rankings while Luke finishes his career on a three-fight losing streak. He didn't win since September of 2017. Uh, once he lost, and that was the next fight after he lost to Michael Bisbing as the title holder, and he announced his retirement right away, said, I'm too fucking old for this, yada, yada. Paolo uh, did call for the winner of Marvin Vittori and Robert Whitaker on the MMA Hour. I think if Bobby Knuckles handles business, which I expect him to, that is possible, but I don't think they would put him up against Vittori if Vittori won. So if not, I'd love to see him take on Kelvin Gastelum. I think that would be an amazing fight. That'd be a good test for Paolo. And I know that's not up in the rankings, but you don't always get that, you know, um, get that uh, luxury. So I think that would be banger. But Bobby Knuckles, Paolo Costa, that would be pretty sick as well. And then the main event of the evening, 
Leon Rocky Edwards with a fifth round knockout over Kamaru, the Nigerian nightmare, the pound for pound nightmare Usman. And man, oh man, I mean, this lived up to the nickname Rocky. This was a true Rocky moment, if I've ever seen it. I mean, Kamaru was looking like he was easily going to take the fight. I mean, round one, Leon got a takedown. He ended up on top, did some ground and pound. That was like, what the fuck? Kamaru's the wrestler. He got taken down. This is shocking. I think Kamaru's probably shocked. But rounds two and four, Usman put in work, man. I mean, his straight left jab is a thing of beauty. That's Trevor Whitman all over it. Uh, that's one of the pieces he's added to his arsenal since training with Onyx. And man, was it landing stiff and getting Leon right in the fucking mouth. And uh, some of the combos he had. Then he started wrestling. He's like, all right, let me let me grind out Leon a little bit. And it seemed to be a bad night in the office for Leon. Almost a recap of the first fight besides Leon ending up on top in round one. Then there's a minute left, right? Kamaru, you know, I have a third, fourth, fifth round finish ticket. It almost got finished in the fourth. Round five, it just seemed like Kamaru was complacent to get the win. And in between round four and five, Rocky's coach literally gives a Rocky speech like, quit fucking feeling sorry for, for yourself. You deserve to be here. Rock, I need everything you fucking got. Come on, snap out of it. Look at me. Like, we need to do this. You can do this. All the work you put on, it could pay off. And a minute left, he land, you know, he he throws a right, tries to get Kamaru to react, which he does, to hide his huge left head kick, lands clean, and Kamaru collapses. He lawn chairs, eyes roll back, arms stiff. He didn't have to follow it up because he was straight knocked the fuck out. Uh, he dropped the champs, the lights were out, and what a moment. I mean, the 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 viral video of someone putting the Rocky music behind the coach's words and then that knockout, I mean, fucking phenomenal. That's what that's why you fight, right? That's why there's five rounds. And Usman was fucked up. I mean, he was out for a while. He was asking his team what happened. He probably didn't even know they had fought yet. It took him a while to get out of the octagon, so he's shooken up. A knockout like that could really affect somebody. You know, Kamaru hasn't been beaten in the UFC, hadn't been taken down in the UFC. So a lot of uh, new new things on his resume. I think he'll be back better than ever. I think it is an automatic rematch. And I think that we will see Usman become even better because of this. But you can't coast. He started stepping backwards. He was pushing the pace, right? He was controlling the center of the octagon. That's part of who Usman is. Once you start moving backwards, you let your other guy get some space to create some shots and some combos, and that's exactly what happened. It literally, you know, did it with like about a minute and 45 seconds. Minute left, boom, pound for pound, knockout, dead. Statistically, Usman landed 189 uh, total strikes and 83 significant with five takedowns, although 12 attempts. Compared to Leon, 64 total and 55 significant strikes with a takedown. And five of his own attempts, which you would never expect to see that. But uh, yeah, Kamaru with the way better volume, clearly. And Leon did have a submission attempt and a knockdown. Uh, Leon did talk about on the MMA hour that he felt like his body shut down after round one. I have no idea what that means, what he could attest that to. And he got it back in round five. Obviously, had a dominant round one. 
Um, it's probably a lot of things, right? The heat of the moment, you're fighting fucking Usman. Usman starts jabbing you up, starts wrestling again. You, you know, you kind of, you're, you're not your usual self. So it'll be interesting to see what Leon does to try to retain this title because it's not going to be easy and I highly doubt it's going to be doable. But here we are. Leon extends his winning streak to 10 in a row. He did have that no contest against Bilal, but I'm keeping his winning streak alive because he was on his way to win that. While Usman ends his 19 fight winning streak God damn. I mean, Usman is right up there with the GSPs and everybody. And I think, like I said, he'll get back to gold. But he does move into the number one contender spot. So no doubt, we don't need to talk about what's next. This is going to be an automatic rematch. And I can't wait. They're talking about Wembley, talking about it, being in London. Bonkers. And sadly, we don't have fights to talk about this weekend. It is a week off before the UFC fight night card in Paris. Headlined by Cyril Gaon and Tai Tuivasa. It's a noon Pacific start on the first, the Labor Day weekend, Saturday, September 3rd. So that's it for MMA. It's going to be a short pod today, but we're going to talk MLB. Um, a couple things happening that are quite a bit of significance to them. This one, not so much, but the White Sox signed Elvis Andrews after he was released and uh, cleared waivers from the Rangers, or uh, excuse me, the Athletics. The Athletics are basically clearing all cap space. I think I talked last week. Their highest paid player is Chad Pinder at $2.2 million, which is barely over the minimum. Uh, they didn't want to pay Elvis. Elvis was upset with playing time. He is now on the White Sox with Tim Anderson being out. Max Muncy, you know, he's not an everyday at bat. Power hitting left hitter for one of the deepest teams in baseball, the Los Angeles Doyers. He signs a one-year $13.5 million deal. The Dodgers want to keep him around for at least one more year. Um, Angels news, man, Artie Moreno thinking about selling the Angels. And my first interaction as an Angels fan was like, hell yeah, that's like, you know, some Jerry Jones shit. I feel like he's one of the bigger issues of why the team's not winning. Uh, you know, he supposedly the GMs talk about, we've had a bunch of GMs lately, keeps firing them. They talk about how they have an idea of what they want to do to fix the club. Artie comes over the top, signs a big name, a Josh Hamilton or Anthony Rendon and Albert Pujols, yada, yada. So, you know, it's his team. He kind of controls it like a Jerry Jones power move, and they, they usually don't work out. Um, I think he's realized that. He bought the team a year after they won the World Series from Disney, has not done shit. His first six years, he won uh, pennant after pennant, year after year. Um, but then after that, once, you know, his, uh, I guess you could say, fingerprints were in the blood system of the team, they haven't done anything. Uh, they have generational talents, two of the, in my opinions, at the end of it, Mike Trout and Otani will be the two best ever to do it on the same team. You can't build around them. It's a goddamn shame. You know, Trout's never going to see October. Otani's probably going to leave. So I'm so, I'm excited. But then I'm like, well, depending on who buys the team, what if they try to trade Trout and Otani start over? Like, ugh, you know. The state of my sports teams right now, you know, football starting, the Steelers starting over. Big Ben's gone. He's pretty much been the quarterback my whole life. You know, I love Kenny Pickett. I hope it works out. But the Angels are basically restarting. The Jazz are probably going to trade Donovan Mitchell and restart, which happened way sooner and was way more intense of a rebuild than I thought was going to happen. I thought they'd trade Gobert, get assets, and try to run it with Mitchell. Looks like that's not going to be the case. Um, the Colorado Avalanche are the Stanley motherfucking cup champions. So that's great. Uh, but yeah, a lot of my sports, man, it's uh, it's been an interesting situation. And the Angels are probably the bottom of the barrel right now. But it, it'll probably be... Be for the best path forward for Artie Moreno to sell the team. 
please, please don't trade Mike Trout, and please try to keep Otani. I'd rather miss the playoffs and watch Trout and Otani's greatness every night than, uh, you know, what's to come. So a five, ten-year rebuild. Byron Buxton on the IL with a hip strain. The Twins are a few games back in the playoff push. That's going to put a damper on things. I'm, you know, that AL Central is a very tight race. White Sox, Guardians, and the Twins. Brutal news for them. Buxton hasn't really stayed healthy his whole career. Walker Bueller, he was announced to be out with elbow surgery or elbow injury for the rest of the year. He is taking Tommy John surgery, the second one he's had. He will most likely miss all of the 2023 season. So for a team that's in win now, one of your best arms out for the next two years. Uh, they also had lost Dustin May last year. Brutal, brutal stretch for the Dodgers and health issues. As an Angels fan, though, I can relate. I think there was 16 Tommy Johns in like a two and a half, three year span for the Angels. So, yeah, I get it. Fernando Tatis to have shoulder surgery during his suspension since he's suspended for roids. Uh, probably a good idea for him. Um, that team is a bunch of drama and a mess. Bryce Harper returning this weekend. He slayed it in AAA. I believe he's just going to be DHing since he won't be able to field. And another contender with brutal news, Nestor Cortez going on the IL with the groin strain. It is only the 10-day. I you know, would be surprised if that's all it is. Um, but they're going to need him because the trade of Jordan Montgomery has obviously bit them in the ass, and now you lose Nestor Cortez. And then the MLB already announcing the 2023 schedule where every team plays every team. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's going to be great. More balanced schedules. Teams are going to be more even for a wild card run where divisions like the AL East, NL East will have to battle each other and, you know, beat each other up. You could go and get more NL teams, AL teams. And for team uh, fans like myself that go to a lot of games, you could see more teams come in, see some prevalent superstars around the league as we look at the standings today yankees you know we're clearly running away with the division it's been a tough stretch they're four and six in their last 10 they're seven ahead of the rays and eight ahead of the blue jays the guardians uh, increasing their advantage they were six and four in their last 10 games four games ahead of the white Sox and the twins uh the astros 12 and a half ahead of the mariners it's a huge huge difference in the NL, the Mets are only a game and a half ahead of the Braves. The Braves making that strong second half push just like last year. A little deja vu. And the Phillies are nine and a half back. The Cardinals have increased their run. They're six ahead of the Brewers. They're eight and two in their last 10. They're at a plus 120 run differential, which is one of the best in baseball. And then the Doyers, 19 and a half ahead of the Padres. That is all locked up. I mean, not officially, but might as well be. When we look at the wild card push and the standings for the wild card teams, don't forget there's the extra wild card team. They will have um, a best of three with the best seed hosting all three. We have Tampa Bay, uh, a game ahead of the Blue Jays, and the um, Mariners in the third spot, two and a half ahead of the Orioles, four ahead of the Twins and White Sox. So going to be an interesting race. A lot of that comes down to the AL Central. In the NL, the Braves are eight ahead of the uh, Phillies, and the Phillies are two ahead of the Padres. The Padres are a game and a half ahead of the Brewers and five and a half ahead of the Giants. I really just for some reason want the Padres not to get it because I thought the whole Tatis contract way too early, guaranteed money. 
wasn't going to pan out. You know, he wasn't a proven player, has injury history. And then they had all these people. Uh, you know, I love the stadium. I love the aura of the team, the jerseys. They got Juan Soto. That's all great and dandy. Uh, but you can't even make the playoffs. That would be that'd be pretty savage. I don't know why. I just kind of want to hate on him. Yes, I'm envious. And then this weekend, we have some interesting series. The Angels' first trip to Toronto. Uh, we'll see who is unvaccinated for my Angels or not. I started watching the game this morning. They got blown out, turned it off. I uh, watched the full game yesterday. They choked in extra innings. I just, my give a fucks of this team are so low right now, and it'll be interesting to try to watch the rest of the games. But games like this, you get to see Vlad Jr., right? That's going to be fun. Uh, Trout and Otani, again, I want to watch them every at-bat. When Otani's pitching, I'm going to be watching. He pitches Saturday. Guess what? I'll be watching. And he's taking on Alex Manoa, which will be a ace showdown. Uh, what else we got this week? We got Rays, Red Sox, and an AL East battle. That'll be the Friday night Apple TV Plus game. We have Twins hosting the Giants in an AL-NL battle. Two teams desperately needing a lot of wins. Cardinals, Braves, that's going to be an awesome potential playoff preview. And Mariners hosting the Guardians. Ichiro retirement weekend. That Friday game is also on Apple TV+. Plus. That's going to be a huge series. Uh, we look at what happened this past weekend. The Orioles beat the Red Sox 2-1. Mets swept the Phillies 3-0 after beating them like 3-1 the week before. Blue Jays beating the Yanks 3-1. White Sox and Guardians go 1-1. One was a weather delay or postponement. And then Braves beating the Astros in an ALNL showdown 2-1. Wrapping up in the NFL, Matt Corral out for the year with a Liz Frank injury. Brutal news. Um, you know, I think he is one of the better rookies in the draft class for a quarterback, and he will not be able to get his opportunities. Uh, although Baker Mayfield has announced the starter, it doesn't seem like he would have had much playing time anyways. Deshaun Watson's suspension finally finalized at 11 games. It got extended from six, and he uh, adds a $5 million fine to the situation. I'm sure he's happy for that, that it's not a full season. Demarcus Robinson, ex-Chiefs receiver, signing with the Ravens. Michael Thomas on his redemption tour has a hamstring injury. Just does not seem like it's going to be working out. Michael Thomas and Jameis Winston hurt for the Saints. Aqib Tlaib splits with Amazon. He was going to be part of the Thursday night football production following the arrest of his brother. Uh, the Vikings trade a conditional 2024 seventh round pick for Nick Mullins to add QB depth. The Raiders are going to release Kenyon Drake, who was a pretty, you know, big-time running back that had some good years of late. The Cardinals trade the 2023 fifth-round pick for uh, guard Cody Ford. Boomer sooner, baby. Uh, that, that's a good pickup for them from Buffalo. Chase Young on the pup list as he's trying to recover from that ACL injury. Will miss at least the first four weeks. And Jamison Will, uh, Williams is going to miss four weeks on the pup as well. Tyron Smith has a knee injury, going to be out three to four months, so most likely out until December or January. Brutal news for the Cowboys. They always are trying to run. I always want to believe in them, but injuries is not. You know, they're getting older, and injuries are, are quite prevalent, especially to their offensive line. J.C. Treader, amazing Pro Bowl guard, announces retirement for the Browns. Shaquem Griffin, um, brother of, uh, you know, the, the, the dynamic brother duo that got drafted in Seattle. UCF legend, pass rushing legend, known for his, his hand issue uh, that he was born with, announces his retirement. 
And then Rex Ryan is going to participate in one of my favorite shows, The Amazing Race. Um, he's going to need to get in shape for that. It'll be interesting to see how that works out. And then we had another episode of Hard Knocks this Tuesday. I love me some Hard Knocks. Um, you know, the Steelers play them this week. Supposedly, it's going to be Trubitsky and Pickett's last, you know, they're going to determine the starter after this. I think it's going to be Trubitsky, but I hope they start Pickett if they're going to do it that way because he hasn't started yet for the first first unit. Um, but yeah, Hard Knocks has been great. You got to love the coach. You got to love the enthusiasm. They showed the joint practice. Uh, Jamal Williams getting all up in people's faces. Um, there's a lot of ex-Steelers there. Antoine Rendell, Deuce Staley. Uh, I'm enjoying it. I always like Hard Knocks, but this has been a fun season. And uh, how can you hate the Lions or not root for them? And I talked to state of my teams, you know, the, the, the angels, I'm, you know, wearing out. I pretty much have no excitement for the jazz at this point. And then my Steelers, um, uh, it's kind of like unknown. What we'll, we'll probably find a way to keep Mike Tomlin out of the losing record thing, you know, keep a streak alive. Obviously love the offensive talent, Pat Fryermuth, Najee Harris, uh, Claypool, Deontay getting re-signed. And how about this motherfucking George Pickens, man? He's looking good. Uh, but the offensive line seems to be a big issue. They signed some pretty decent named offensive linemen this year in free agency. Was hoping that fixed the deal. Saw something that they haven't drafted a first round lineman in like, you know, six to eight years. Yeah, that obviously will catch up to you. I'm sure they'll be drafting linemen a lot after this. The defense, pretty solid defense. Cornerback definitely is a wild card with a lot of guys that aren't proven, but, you know, look to be like they could be the the that type of guy, such as a Levi Wallace. Uh, but there is some age there, injury concerns. You know, you lose a guy or two, it's not going to be good. The division's going to be tough. The, the Ravens will be the Ravens. The Bengals, probably, you know, the class of the division. Thank God Deshaun Watson's out 11 games, so the Browns aren't, aren't too much of a wrecking ball this year. Uh, but I'm excited. It's going to be fun, but it's like we could suck for a long time. Pickett doesn't work out. Trubisky doesn't work out. It could be uh, the purgatory of quarterbacks. So uh, it's going to be an interesting year. Uh, you know, uh, I'm not as excited. It seems like the a few years ago, the Steelers didn't have a lot of chances at the end of Ben's year, but they, they had a chance with that defense. The Angels, Lotani and Trout, I figured they'd figure it out by now. And the run with Gobert and Mitchell, I figured they had it. So thank God for the avalanche because uh, – it might be some long seasons for me as a sports fan. Elsewhere in sports, Dickie Vitale is cancer-free. Love to see it. Love me some Dickie Vitale. The Big Ten getting over $7 billion, billion with a B, for a TV contract through 2030. Peacock getting some games, four conference games a year. Most major networks involved, but not ESPN. And then Nick Saban signing with Alabama through 2029 for $11.7 million annually. Obviously, that was going to happen after what had happened with George Kirby. Um, or, God, I hope I didn't say his name wrong. That's the Mariners pitcher, right? Georgia football head coach. Kirby Smart. Jesus, I knew I had that wrong. I'm in baseball mode. Uh, Kirby Smart and everybody else getting signed. You knew Nick Saban's like, hey, I need that. Um, just because I'm an Avalanche fan, the Calgary squad signs Nazim Kadri. Uh, Kadri had a breakout year, huge part of the Avalanche run to the championship. Um, so he gets a big payday to play for the Calgary Flame. I'm sure he'll be happy being back in Canada. He played for Toronto for a long time. 
Somehow, UD is back. Udonis Haslam is back for his 20th NBA season. Miami already said they will retire his number once he is officially retired. Why don't they just have him as a coach? This is very Jawan Howard-esque, but uh, yeah, UD back in the 305. Uh, KD staying with the Nets. I am going to Pacers Nets uh, the day after Thanksgiving, so I'm hyped about that. We got some pretty good tickets. Uh, Kyrie Irving, KD, Ben Simmons running it. See what they can do. Uh, Zion, it will be ready for opening day. Uh, Chet Holmgren played in the crossover at Seattle uh, University. Injured, had a list Frank injury, officially out for the year. Brutal news for the Thunder and Chet Holmgren. The Jazz send Patrick Beverly to the Lakers uh, for Talon Horton Tucker and Stanley Joss Johnson. They like Tucker out of the draft, didn't end up getting him, uh, but trade an older Patrick Beverly for two young talent. I like that as a Jazz player or as a Jazz fan. We're not in win now mode now, especially probably, you know, this just shows to me that we're probably trading Donovan. Um, and, you know, to get a young talent with some good potential for, for Pat Bev. Pat Bev and Russell Westbrook on the same team, though. Same locker room. That's that's. We'll see what happens there. And to wrap it up, I just watched uh, Welcome to Wrexham on FX. It is um, Ryan Reynolds and another gentleman uh, buying some English club out of Wells where they fell out of, like, the professional league. They're trying to work their way back up. It's a lot of fun, and it kind of reminds me of the state of my teams, right? It's like the Angels. Someone's going to own the Angels and have to work them their way back in. At least you don't drop out of the MLB like you do in soccer's drop out of leagues. Um, but it's cool. Blue-collar town. I'll you know, maybe get into soccer a little bit more, and, and maybe you can follow Wrexham on their path to you know getting rejuvenated. Um, but it, it was cool. I watched the first episode. I'm going to watch the second after this. Uh, as the first two episodes came out, I, I'm guessing it's coming out every Wednesday night. Um, but, uh, that's why you love sports, right? The community's into it. Uh, huge moments. Um, the Stanley cup, I'm not as big as an Avs fan. So that wasn't as monumental for me. I never saw a jazz championship. I've never been a part of an angels championship, but those years, the Steelers won a super bowl were life memories, huge moments. You know, I wasn't in Pittsburgh, but you know, some of the, the bigger moments of time for me and when it comes to relevance and just excitement. So that's why I'm doing this. You got to love sports. It brings people together. It's a community. It's something that's relatable. You could relate. Uh, so excited to talk more sports next week. We will break down the UFC Paris fight night card. Um, won't be able to recap anything because there's no fights this weekend. So get out. Enjoy some nature. Enjoy summer. It's beautiful here in Seattle. Looks like summer's extending into September, which is great because it didn't start till July. Uh, but yeah, we'll see you guys next week. Episode 98 coming at you.